Welcome to episode four of Inside US UCOM. I'm Master Sergeant Jeff Curtin from UCOM Public Affairs, and today we are talking with Rear Admiral Duke Hines, director of the J4 team, which oversees logistics in the UCOM theater. Admiral Hines, it is a pleasure to have you here today. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited for our conversation today because we are in the middle of a major logistical undertaking here in Europe. And my guess is you and your team played a role in that. We did, certainly, and continue to do so. Um, I was down in Albania last week with General Walters, General Harrigan, and General Cavoli to participate in the Distinguished Visitor Day uh, at the port of Duress, where we rolled out the joint logistics over-the-shore uh, exercise moving uh, about a 1,000 pieces of Army gear from the USNS Bob Hope uh, to the port for forward onward movement, as well as exercise wet lots, which is uh, moving fuel or water from the, the sea to the shore um, for forward onward movement. So a pretty big deal to get the commander down there and uh, and participate in a logistics exercise. Yeah, that is a really exciting opportunity to have him there. And uh, from what I understand, that was the first time that's been done since World War II in Europe, correct? That's correct. Yep. Yeah. So that big, is, big deal. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of uh, things that have changed since World War II, I'm sure. So you couldn't necessarily take the old plan and just apply it to today. There was a lot of, uh, of changes, I'm sure, that you had to do. To well, certainly. And the equipment's much different, obviously. But yeah. um, I would say that the logistics pieces are the same, right? It's movement from from a large cargo ship to uh, vessels, LSVs in this case, that then carriage uh, the equipment to shore for forward movement. So the concept's the same. The execution's a little more uh, advanced. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to get a little bit more into that. So let's start with how the logistics team ties into the headquarters mission here in Europe. So what is your and your team's role for UCOM? Yeah, so, you know, the J4 director of logistics is responsible for synchronizing logistics and engineering functions across the theater uh, with the other directors, so right arm in arm with the J3, the operations director, whose whose um, responsibility is to execute and oversee theater operations, of which logistics play an important role in enabling us to set the theater. Um, we go hand in hand with the other directorates, whether it's the operations piece, whether it's J9, uh, and the work they do on the humanitarian home front, and they played a big role in COVID, as you're well aware. Uh, J5 and the plans and operations, seven and the exercises, which is tremendous, right? So the ability to to leverage logistics in an exercise and let that play out is is crucial. So uh, we certainly participate across the entire staff arm in arm. Yeah, on the previous episode, we talked with Mr. Engelke from uh, from J7, the exercises division, and he had explained how uh, how how all the teams work together really well and uh, how the exercises portion communicates with the other sections in order to get their particular part of the mission done. So that being said, why does the logistics team coordinate with all the other sections within the headquarters? So how, how important are those relationships to the success of what you and your team do? Yeah, it's a great question. Yeah, I think uh, in many cases, you have operators that are interested in prosecuting the operational plans 
when we get to crisis where the shooting starts. But the, the real crux of the battle problem set is the enablement of the theater that the logistics enterprise has to do to get to the point of we're going to start pulling triggers and, and, and fires. Um, and so that's the work that we do with our allies and partners to be able to set the theater, to enable movement of logistics across the theaters to support operations, and then, you know, to the final phase, which is prosecution of the theater. But, but uh, the log piece, you know, resupply, ammo, fuel, class nine repair parts is all critical in order to get us to the point uh, we're ready to respond in crisis. Wow. So, uh, I mean, logistics sounds like an extremely complex event with a lot of moving parts. Indeed. And what you see most of the time is it's sort of under the radar, right? If we do everything right, you don't worry about us. But you know, yeah. the first the first time that you run out of toilet paper or you're out of ammo, you know, you turn around and say, hey, where's my logistics guys? What happened here? But uh, ideally, you know, we're, we're moving under the radar and executing everything from repair parts to fuel to construction equipment, food, right? And so, you know, we're pretty broadly scoped from a logistics enterprise perspective on how we support the theater through our component commands. Obviously, in this theater, U.S. Army Europe is huge, right? They bring most to bear in in a time of crisis or contingency. Um, And how we prepare across those classes of supply through tabletop exercises, um, through theater deep dives with the components and the Defense Logistics Agency and our national agencies as well is critical to being able to to be able to respond to your points when mm-hmm. the signal goes up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and with all these different entities and all these different factors coming into play, it must be really, really difficult and next to impossible to to respond to a to a crisis. I mean, crisis being something that's happening right now and needs support right now. How do you, and your team, how do you respond to those crises in, in those short terms uh, rather than having you know months and, and years sometimes to even plan uh, a logistics situation? I think the beauty is the, the JLENT, as we call it, the Joint Logistics Enterprise, uh, is pretty robust in our communications and battle rhythm internally. So across the theater, you've got Transcom, and I have LNOs that work in my office space, DLA. Um, we, we regularly battle rhythm with the components, so the U.S. Army G4, USAFE A4, uh, Navier N4, MAR4COM, and, and SOCOM 4s as well. And so that battle rhythm is critical not only are we kind of keeping abreast of current ops, but the ability to respond when potential crisis or contingency happens, we've got those touch points uh, and we've made the network of relationships to be able to then respond accordingly. And then, of course, obviously, the, the work that we do with SHAPE and my counterparts in the Strategic Enablement Directorate and their role with NATO is, is critical as well. Yeah. I mean, obviously, being here in Europe, there's the uh, there's the extra factor when not in the U.S. You get the extra factor that you've got all these countries that you're moving stuff and supplies and things and vehicles through. How can you go about or how does your team go about trying to figure out all the different laws and regulations and being able to move freely throughout the theater as quickly as possible in crisis? 
when you're dealing with all those different entities, those sovereign nations? Yeah, that's a great question. So, right, 30, 30 NATO nations. Uh, and so we are, you know, absolutely critical to work with our partners in the J5 uh, to establish uh, agreements uh, ahead of time here now currently um, when we're not in crisis that enable us to execute access basing and overflight across the theater. Many of those are bilateral relationships or agreements we have with uh, the U.S. and Germany, the U.S. and Poland, that would now enable us to flow forces, food, equipment uh, as required to support whether it's COVID or a crisis. Um, And so those relationships are really important, and the FIVE's work and helping us leverage that is, is absolutely critical. Yeah. So, I mean, you mentioned the 30 NATO nations that are, are all working together here, but NATO's been around for a long, long time. Um, so, I mean, you've uh, you've been doing this particular job here with logistics for quite some time, over 30 years now. Um, how would you say things have changed over the course of your, your time in the service, and how do you react differently now today than you did 30 years ago? Well... So I joined the Navy in uh, 1989, right? And 1990 was Desert Storm. Sure. Um, and for those that remember Desert Storm, or having as much gray hair as I do to remember Desert Storm, you know, remember we moved, you know, almost a million troops uh, and mountains and mountains. We called it the uh, the Iron Mountain, if you will, to Kuwait in order to be able to respond to Iraq. And so today as we look as logisticians about setting our theater, you know, we, we respond to what General Walters' challenges is to fight with what we have in the theater today. So it's important for us as logisticians to enable the theater with pre-positioned war reserve material or PPWRM. So that's the APS equipment set to support an army division that's here already located in Germany. Uh, it's the marine equipment up in the caves in Norway, McPippin. The Air Force's deployable air base systems that we're working on setting here in theater. And so when it's time to respond in crisis, we're already enabled in the theater of vice having to move large, vast quantities of equipment and material from the mainland, from the United States to theater. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess there's a lot of stuff that's probably already set up in location. So that... That means that you're doing a lot of proactive work. How much of the uh, the logistics portion of things is considered proactive versus reactive? Well, hopefully most of it, right? Because as I mentioned previously, you know we want to be under the radar here, right? And when we're time, when it's time to respond, the logistics piece is set and good to go. So the work that we do through pre-position war material, the work that we do through European Defense Initiative, that uh, Congress uh, funds us to to enable. Um, whether we're building warehouses or funding road improvements in the theater here uh, to support the logistics piece is critical. Um, And so, you know, that's what we continue to strive to get after from a logistics director perspective. Yeah. And so speed and posture plays a big role in the the logistics realm and and, and everything that you're doing with that mission. How is, uh, how would you say that speed and posture plays a role in what it is that you all are trying to accomplish on a regular basis, on a daily basis. Yeah, it's critical. And and the challenge for us as logisticians, when you look at a map, um, what what NATO looks like today versus what it looked like 
30 years ago, 40 years ago, is significantly different, right? And so our, uh, our pipeline, our road infrastructure, you know, is essentially through Germany and West, France, uh, the UK, right? Um, as NATO has broadened and brought what were Soviet uh, countries now into the alliance, you know, the infrastructure there is not quite as um, uh, advanced, if you will, as what we have in Western Europe. And so that that continues our challenge, which is how do you move through railheads across highways um, in Eastern Europe now uh, with countries that were pro- previously post-Soviet? And so Poland, the Baltics, uh, Ukraine, etc., are challenges for us to continue to enable logistics in that part of our European theater. Yeah, and um, obviously there's there's the elephant in the room that I, I end up bringing up on every episode that we're all dealing with right now, which is the COVID pandemic that we're still working through, and it still plays a big role in how we conduct business. So how would you say that that hurdle or that uh, that effect is, is working with your, your J4 directorate, the logistics directorate? How is it affecting the mission and how has it affected your ability to operate within the theater? Yeah, I think, you know, one, first of all, you know, to take uh, the commander's guidance, which is not to make COVID a security crisis, right? Uh, both for, from a UCOM perspective and from a theater perspective with our allies and partners. And so, you know, what I've been very proud of since I've been here over a year, just coming up on a year now, is that, you know, essentially since last July, you know, four months into the COVID pandemic, we have been back essentially to fully operational as a combatant command. Uh, in the four directorate, we've been back at 100% manning in the office and executing uh, day in and day out, uh, seven days a week, 24-7. Um, and so our ability to manage it through, you know, hypervigilance, uh, cleaning, uh, and personal protective equipment uh, has kept the numbers fairly low, significantly low from a command perspective, and also enabled us to uh, to work with our partners and allies to uh, to reduce or temper the spread across the theater. Um, some challenges in, in some countries, Poland, um, as we see across, across the globe, India is having a real challenge now. But from a UCOM perspective and with our components, USERUR, USAFE, Marfourier, the numbers have been really, really low, and the team has done a great job across the board of, of managing this and not making it a security crisis. Yeah, and I know that was a big focus when over a year ago when we started incorporating that into our plans and the way that we did things uh, is making sure that it didn't become a security crisis. So it's it's fantastic to see a year later that we're right on par with what we kind of where we wanted to be on that. So. Obviously, taking that into consideration, uh, we have this huge exercise going on. You mentioned earlier we did the J-LOTS out in Albania. Uh, Defender Europe, how does logistics roll into Defender Europe? And, and maybe you can give a little more perspective on what that exercise really is and how it, how it affects the region. Yeah, the Defender series that we execute every year with USERUR as the lead, you know, is, is an opportunity for us to showcase uh, not only our capability, but the Alliance's capability uh, to protect and defend the Alliance. And so last year, unfortunately, due to COVID, we had a significantly scoped down event. This year, to your point, with COVID mitigations and exercising bubble to bubble employment of the troops, 
um, has been critical to really not ha- having a hampering effect on the size and scope of the defender exercise this year. And so I think that's a big win for, for the entire team and, and managed well across each of the components. As you see in the news, right, this week was uh, a bunch of Army uh paratroopers jumping into Estonia yeah, yeah. and Albania and the Ukraine. Um, so that's that's pretty cool. And and it's a great show of force and capability that uh, that we bring and the alliance brings to bear. Yeah. And so with it being obviously, you know, something that's happening in the entire world uh, with COVID, why, why would we take the risk? Why not do what we did last year where we had a, you know, a, a toned down version of, of Defender? Why go back to uh, to doing the full scale exercise at all? Uh, I think, you know, part of this is the learning piece, right? So what we've learned in the last year plus with regards to COVID and managing a global pandemic uh, has given us the confidence in our ability to get back to the new normal of exercising and planning that's required for us to do here uh, at USUCOM and with our alliance partners. And so uh, not only is that important for us in terms of our continuing learning and education, but also, I think it sends an important signal to what the alliance can bring to bear. Yeah. Well, I'm mean, glad we're able to do it this year. I'm seeing a lot going on with it all, all over the place. A lot of exercises that are uh, that are part of Defender. One of the things I feel like I learned in the, in the process of doing some research on it is that the Defender portion, correct me if I'm wrong, but the Defender portion is the fact of bringing all these things over into the area. It's really kind of a logistical exercise from your perspective, right? It is, and uh, there are a couple key pieces to uh, to the Defender series this year that are going to enable lo- the logistics enterprise in the theater, right? So at the end of the Defender, we will plant the flag and declare fully operational capability for the JSEC and the SJLSG, two logistics organizations, NATO organizations in Ulm uh, that are important for the allied ability to set the theater. And so those two organizations and and their interaction with Defender uh, and their eventual FOC here in a several months are, you know, an important next step for us as we continue our fi- foundational learning and, and our ability to logistically set the theater. Okay. Yeah. Now, um, I want to go ahead and close out with the, one of the biggest questions that we can uh, we can obviously ask what is the most important part of the logistics directorate and why? All of it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as I mentioned before, if we're executing, then the rest of the team doesn't worry about logistics. And so uh, I think, you know, our ability both to enable the theater to allow operations and exercises uh, happen uh, without any bumps in the road, uh, running out of toilet paper, as I mentioned, you know, those type of things, uh, I think are the most important thing. And so, you know, as a career, 30 year career logistician, I, I often say, you know, I can count on one hand, the number of times that someone's told me how great a meal they had, you know, but I can't tell you how many times I've been, uh, been talked to because the beans were cold or, you know, the hamburger was overcooked. So, you know, our our goal is uh, to execute under the radar scope and continue to foundationally support the theater. Yeah, well, I've uh, I've certainly I mean, in just this little bit of time that we've had together, I've developed a new uh, a new liking for the logistics crew and and really appreciate everything that you all do. 
uh, for the team and for the headquarters and, and for, uh, for all of us that are putting on exercise, for everybody that's involved with those. I mean, there's a new appreciation there, of course. Um, knowing what goes on behind the scenes, there's a lot that goes to it. So, uh, but thank you for uh, talking with us today. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to highlight the, the UCOM J4 team and, and the entire joint logistics enterprise in the European theater. Um, and we play a cr- crucial role, as you're well aware. And so the opportunity to highlight ourselves, talk a little bit about what we do, I think is, is always important. And as I mentioned uh, earlier, you know, the opportunity for three of the four stars in theater to go watch a logistics exercise in Albania last week was uh, was huge. And I and I had the opportunity to, to ride back on the plane with General Cavoli, and I told him, I said, you know, it's one thing for Dukines to walk down and slap a couple soldiers and sailors on the back. I'm the head logistician. I'm expected. But when, you know, the four-star U.S. Army Europe gives a coin out and, and tells logisticians, you guys are doing great work, that's a big deal. And so this opportunity here this morning with you to highlight logistics in the European theater is helpful as well. So I appreciate the opportunity. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Thank you to you and your team, uh, not just at headquarters, but at all the components and everyone in logistics that, uh, that you've been working with and, and working behind to get all the all that mission done. So this has been uh, Inside US UCOM. I'm Mass Sergeant Jeff Curtin from UCOM Public Affairs, and I was speaking today with Rear Admiral Duke Hines, the director of the J-4 team. Oh.